Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are in the first epistle of John and we'll be in chapter two today. My, 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 what a tremendous chapter this is and what a tremendous letter the Apostle John has left uh, for us uh, to study, to encourage us, to instruct us, to exhort us. And uh, I have so thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed studying this epistle, and I hope uh, that you will enjoy uh, the study as we go ahead and go along in this great letter. This first epistle of John, I think we have discovered, sets forth in really clear terms. You know, we have to study this letter out to really understand where John is coming from. Um, what we are to believe concerning Jesus Christ in order to be saved. And I think in reading through the Gospels and reading through the Bible, we have come to the place where we know that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. There's no other way of salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father but by me. And we've also discovered that there's no other gospel that leads us to salvation other than the gospel of Christ. And I think this is the central message of this first letter of the Apostle John. Amen. But before we begin, I want to go ahead and read one of my favorite Psalms found in Psalm 25. Listen to a portion of it. Notice what the psalmist declares. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from of old. And I might add that uh, the mercies of God are new every morning. Praise God. Amen. Well, Heavenly Father, as we embark on, this, on the study of the second chapter of 1 John, Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us to help us. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. Teach us today as we go along in your word. Father, we thank you for the inspiration that comes to you, that comes to us from you and from your word. And we'll give you the praise, honor and glory for it in Jesus name. Amen and amen. All right. We want to begin. I want to read to you a portion of scripture that we studied when we were back in the, uh, the book of Hebrews. And this sets forth an introduction to this chapter. I want to read it to you. It's found in Hebrews chapter seven, beginning in 26 says, for such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. That's very important. Separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. Jesus did this once when he offered up himself. For the law makes men high priests, which have infirmity. We're all weak. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, makes the son who is consecrated forever. So we see how the Lord Jesus Christ is set apart uh, by himself. But yet through his precious blood has gathered us together with him and has made us of the family of God. Amen. Praise God. And so that's so very, very important. You and I are enjoying the fruit 
of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ today. That cup that he tasted was a bitter cup. But because of that, he has led us to living fountains of water. Praise God. And we're enjoying life today because of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can't get away and yield ourselves to another gospel. There's only one gospel, and that's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, this is the central message now of this first letter of the Apostle John. So let's begin. First John chapter two. Let's read the first two verses. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Notice that. My little children. Now, who's the little children that John is addressing? Well, it's the young believers. And I think primarily this is the the group of believers that John is writing to. And the reason being is that little children are the most susceptible to the plots, schemes, and the devices of the enemy. These little children are the most susceptible now to be led away in false doctrine and in heresies. Uh, the younger men and the adults, uh, they have weathered through a lot of trial and testings and temptation. They're tempered in a harder way than young believers are. And that's why it's so important for we, who are the older ones in the church, should really uh, take care of and surround uh, our younger believers and make sure that they receive the right kind of doctrine so that they'll be able to grow up. And I think what Peter said in his letter, uh, in the second uh, epistle, he said, uh, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That's chapter two and verse two. And I think that's very important, especially for the young ones. But notice uh, John says, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. That the, the young believers stay with the truth that they not be fooled by false teaching, that they not be fooled by the heretics of today. And John goes on and he says this. He says, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin. No, notice that if any man sin, that's called a conditional particle. That's what the scholars tell us. And really, the, the particle means this, in case anyone has sinned, if you have fallen, if you have drifted somewhat into false doctrine, understand right now that uh, if you've fallen into the snare of false deception, understand that to all is not lost, that there is a way for you to get back. And that way of return to the Father is through an advocate. And that advocate, John calls Jesus Christ. Notice Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the perfect. And when he told the Jews way back in his earthly ministry in, in the, the gospel of Matthew, it's recorded. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Well, there's no way you or I could do that in ourself. But now in Christ, we are looked at as perfect. We are perfect in him, not perfect in ourselves. We are perfect in him. Now, we are reaching towards perfection. And the day will come in the future when we will be made over in a perfect fashion. Amen. 
but that day is not yet. As long as we're in this earth, we're going to have to continue uh, to fight the good fight of faith, and we're going to have to continue to lay hold on eternal life. Amen. But now many in the church world uh, may be susceptible to uh, false doctrine, heresies. Maybe they're being taught things that aren't right. Maybe they're not being taught things that are right. And maybe uh, some have fallen into error, fallen into heresy. Well, all is not lost. If you're truly a born-again child of God and you have fallen into these things, all is not lost because we have an advocate. And this is what uh, John is, uh, is stating here, that we have an advocate with the Father, and that advocate is Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the perfect one. Now, what does this word advocate mean? Well, it comes from the Greek word parakletos. And this word means an intercessor, means a consoler, means a comforter. That's what Jesus called the Holy Spirit. He called the Holy Spirit another comforter, one that's just like him. Amen. And so Jesus Christ is our go-between. He's our intercessor. He's our cons consoler. He's our advocate, a comforter. He is the one who aids us. Uh, he's the one that helps us. Actually, he's the one who pleads our cause before the Father. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. We have a perfect advocate. Amen. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, uh, the righteous. Praise God. <coughs> and then Paul goes, I mean, P, uh, John goes on and he says this. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Notice that he is the propitiation for our sins. Now, propitiation comes from the Greek word helosmos, and actually this word helosmos means to appease. It means to expiate. And so the great aim of our Christian faith is to have true fellowship with God. Uh, Barclay says this, he says, to know God as friend and to enter with joy and not with fear into his presence. And God has enabled that through Christ, through his sacrifice. And that's really what propitiation here means. It means a sacrifice. And through the sacrifice of Christ and being enabled through faith in his precious blood, we can know God as friend and we can enter into his presence with joy and not with fear, not with guilt or condemnation. Amen. We can enjoy him. It's like the, the first duty of man is to fear God, to worship God and to enjoy him forever. Amen. That's that's our highest duty as believers in Christ Jesus. And the only way that could be accomplished is that we had to have an advocate. We first of all, we had to have a mediator, somebody that stood between God and between us. And that perfect mediator was Jesus Christ. He is also our advocate. He's our comforter. He's the one that uh, that comes alongside of us uh, to help us in this area. Praise God. So the only way for God to enable this type of fellowship was through 
the sacrifice of Christ. Amen. And now through him, God has approached us in peace. And because of peace, we can approach uh, God and we can have fellowship with him. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. So Christ himself is the means of propitiation for our sins. Praise God. Amen. So that's why we trust our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at the benefits of fellowship and what you and I, in a practical way, have to do to enter into and to enjoy the fellowship that we have with God through Jesus Christ. No, notice in verse 3 it says, And hereby we do know that we know him. We know that we know him. And I want to ask you, do you know that you know God? Do you have that witness on the inside of you that you know him, that you are a child of God? I am a child of God, as the modern uh, praise song says today. I am a child of God. Do you know that? All right. This is how we know. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now, this is a charge to young believers, but really it's a charge to all of us. But it is also a charge or an indictment against false teachers. Because if, if people are teaching another gospel, like some of the cult religions that are alive today and functioning today, if they preach another gospel, they are not obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not obeying his commandments. And so they walk in darkness. That's really the whole idea behind chapter one, is that uh, we know God because he is the word of life. We know him because he's the word of life, light. And we know him because that light, we are not in darkness. But those that do not obey Christ are in darkness, even though they claim to be in the light, they're really in darkness. I have a family member, and I think I told this before in one of the radio programs, that uh, he got involved with a false religion. And how he got involved in it is that he was talking to, meeting with somebody who was already into this false religion, this cult religion. And as that person was talking, uh, my family member saw a light. And that light convinced him that this was the right way. Well, that, that was not the light of Christ. That was an angel of light. That was a false light. And so... Uh, my family member got involved in, in this uh, cult religion and, and died in it. And so what we're talking about here is is very serious and a great encouragement to us to stay with the word of God and don't get off of it by reading uh, a false or following a false teaching or a false religion. The, the false religion that this uh, family member got into, they even had their own Bible. Well, um, you, you, you got to know the truth. And it's the Holy Spirit that will always lead us and guide us into the truth. So uh, John says here in verse three, and hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So the practical measure that you and I take to stay in truth, to stay in light is obedience, obedience to the word of God. Amen. See, once we have received the word of life and we walk in the light of life, then we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ continually cleanses us from all sin. 
See, we have to be walking in the truth. In order for First uh, John chapter one and verse nine uh, to be applied to our life. Notice again, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now, that cleanse is, uh, cleanses us or actually it's a verb to cleanse. It's a present active indicative that what that means is that uh, that what John is talking about is that when we're walking in the light as he is in the light, in the very presence, there is the cleansing power of the blood that is cleansing us from all sin and that is keeping us from all harm. Amen. Praise God. Uh, verse four says, he that says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. He's walking in darkness. He's not walking in the light. So when a pastor gets up and start talking, starts talking about the positive aspects of uh, homosexual marriage, he's not walking in the light. He's walking in darkness. He does not know God. He doesn't know God. He has been deceived. Now, there is a way back, and that way back is the advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, and if he'll repent, he or she, whoever it is, if they will repent and then and then acknowledge the fact, confess their sin, and then begin teaching truth, Amen. They're back. They're back in the way. But until we acknowledge our sin and we acknowledge the fact that we have sinned, we cannot make access to the advocate. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why it's so important for us to stay with the word of God and pay no attention to the modern culture. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But whoso keeps his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Notice what John says here, verse five. But whosoever keeps his word, keep it in your heart. Like the psalmist said, Lord, I will incline my heart to your word and I will turn my eyes away from worthless things. Now, Lord, you revive me in your way. There's only a way that you and I can be revived. It's in his way, not our way. Amen. Our way is not always the right way. We have to find out what his way is. He's the one that will direct our paths. Amen. Praise God. But notice that. But whoever keeps his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. All right, so what, what John is saying here is, do you love God? Do I love God? Well, we might say, well, yeah, I believe we, I do love God. Well, the measure of love is measured by whether or not we're keeping his word. We can't read the word and then go out and do exactly opposite of what the word tells us to do. See, if we love God, we're going to love his word because God and his word are one. All right. Verse six says this. He that says he abides in him. Actually, that word abide means remains. He that remains in him. Remember what John uh, Jesus was saying? Uh, John records he that abides in me and I in him. The same brings forth fruit because without me, you can do nothing. That word abide means to remain. He that remains in me 
abides or remains in me. That means abide and remain in the doctrine of Christ. He that says he abides in him, remains in him, ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. In other words, we have to put our actions where our words are. If we say we're believers, then we're going to walk like believers. If we say if we say we're holiness, we're going to have to walk in holiness. And of course, if we do, if we sin there, we have an advocate with the father. Amen. All right. Now, verse seven, we're going to talk about uh, true fellowship with God and man. Now, listen to this. Listen to what uh, John is going to say here. We're going to be talking now about the love of God. Brethren, I write no, co- no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. Love is an old commandment. Praise God. Amen. Love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and also love our neighbor as ourself. Praise God. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. From the beginning means can mean two things. Number one, it could mean from the very beginning, talking about the Old Testament. But also it could mean from the beginning when we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 8. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. Amen. Could be talking about the darkness of this world. Could be talking about Christ coming and bringing the light. That is true. But let's look at this at a personal level. The very moment you got born again, you were walking in the light. The darkness was past. God translated you out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Praise God. So, yes, the light has come and we see that in the Gospels. We see that in the church age. But the light also has come to you the very moment you got born again. Remember what Paul said. He says, but if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost in whom the minds of the unbelievers. Notice that. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. And then they would be saved. Well, you were lost. You were blind. So was I. But God, the light came to us through the gospel of Christ. And we saw that light. We yielded ourselves. We're drawn towards that light. And God saved us. Praise God. Amen. So once again, verse eight, again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. Now, verse nine, he that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. We have a commandment. That commandment is called the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love. You can't get away from it. I can't get away from it. Amen. We cannot break the law of love. Now, I know we get weak in the area of walking in love at times, but we cannot forsake love. If we forsake, if we have no, if we do not have the love of God on the inside of us, we're walking in darkness. I remember reading stories of, of in Europe. After the Second World War, immediately after the Second World War, when Germany surrendered and some of the horrendous things 
that people were doing. Uh, killing and robbing and stealing and raping and just doing things. And, and the people that were participants, uh, women willingly giving their bodies just for a tin of food. And these people at one time before the war breakout, before war devastated their country, they were going to church every Sunday. They were, their children were being uh, christened and baptized. But you see, the light wasn't in them. The light that was in them was darkness. And that's why it's so important, brother and sister, for you and I to know God and to know that we know God. And so the tests and trials that come our way, absolutely, we should praise God for them. That's exactly what Paul said. He said, but I glory in tribulations. I exult in tribulations. Why? Because it proves to us just exactly who we are. And it does prove to us areas where we're weak in, where we need to shore them up. Because we do want to go on into perfection. We do want to go on to maturity. We want to be, uh, be those that are able to receive the meat, those that are able to discern between that which is good and that which is evil. We don't want to be our entire Christian life to be little children to be tossed about by every wave of, of doctrine that comes our way, that we know that we know that we know Jesus and we know that we know that we walk in the light. And the greatest measure of how we're walking in the light is the measure of love that has that we have developed on the inside of us. Now, all of us that are born again have love in us. We don't need a baptism in love. We need to develop the things that God has put in us through the new birth. And so John goes on and he says this, He that loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no occasion of stumbling in him. Notice that. He that loves his brother abides, remains in the light, and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. Once again, that's going back to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Verse 9, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ is continually cleansing us from all sin. Amen. So, that's so, so that is so very, very important for us uh, to encourage one another concerning. All right, now this next section, this is probably as far as we'll be able to go. <laughs> but notice, beginning in verse 12, notice... Uh, this is called a, a tautology. In other words, what John is doing now, he's expressing the same thought over and over again. And it's for proper effect. But it deals with three different classes of people in the church. So I want us to look at this. Verse 12, it says this. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you. I want you to notice that. Notice the three groups that John is writing to. Notice he says of the little children, your sins are forgiven, and you know the Father. To the young men says, you have you have overcome the wicked one 
and you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. To the fathers, he says, you have known him from the beginning. Going all the way back to the beginning of the church. So here we have three groups of people. Little children, their sins are forgiven and they have come to know the father, but they have not overcome the wicked one yet. It's the young men that have been through the testing and trials and they have overcome the wicked one. They are strong. They are the ones that the word of God is abiding in them. You see, that's what spiritual maturity does. And of course, the fathers. They include all of this. Their sins are forgiven. They know the father. They've overcome the wicked one. They're strong. The word of God abides in them and they have come to full spiritual uh, maturity. And so what is the, the real crux of this uh, passage of Scripture here? It's, it's this. The church grows through new births, just like your family and my family is perpetuated through new births. And if there's no new births going on in my family, then what that means is that eventually everybody's going to die off and the Dunning family will be at least our, my branch of it will be no more. And it's the same application to the church, a church that does not have babies, babies born in it. Eventually, is going to die out. And see, and this is the pattern of the church. It's the fathers, the young men and the fathers are producing the little children, the little children. They come into the church. They're nurtured. They're cared for. They're taught. They're prayed over. Amen. They're they're encouraged and they become the young men who go forth and produce the little children and they become the fathers. And this whole cycle is repeated throughout generation from generation to generation. Amen. And that's how you and I grow spiritually. We started out as little children. Amen. We grew to young men and now we may be the fathers that are teaching others. Praise God. So it's so very, very important. So very, very important for us as the believers to progress in every area of our life. And that's all we have today. Father, in Jesus' name, we're so thankful to you. Thank you, Father, for watching over us, encouraging us. Amen. And leading us on in truth. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit 
who gives life.